And that adaptability or, or adeptness or that kind of resourcefulness seems to be something that I associate to Canadian strategy. Hello and welcome to Grow Up, an APG Canada podcast where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkerers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and today on the show, and actually for the next few weeks, we'll be chatting to industry professionals about what makes strategic planning in Canada different from the rest of the world and what a Canadian style of strategic planning might have to offer the industry. Today, we're joined by Chris Andrews, President and CEO at BBDO Canada, and Ron Smirchuk, Independent Creative Director and Principal at Those Who Wander. Chris and Ron, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here. I've been looking forward to this. Terrific if you could um, introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a bit about your background, uh, especially, you know, how you guys have worked together, um, what markets you've worked in, and then we'll kind of uh, get into the crux of the interview. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Um, very, very happy to be here and excited to kind of be on the on this podcast and share some of our thoughts. Um, I'll, I'll jump in and start and I'll let Chris kind of, uh, kind of follow. Um, I... Uh, uh, I'm, my name's Ron, obviously, as you've kind of pointed out. I'm originally from Toronto. Uh, I started as an art director uh, kind of a, a mere 27 years ago. I'm saying that on a broadcast. Uh, and I've spent about uh, 17 of those years as a creative director or ECD, kind of overseeing um, uh, kind of agencies. Um, and I've had the privilege of working uh, at some great places uh, and, and brands in multiple markets. I'm here in Canada, of course, but also in the U.S. Uh, and in Europe. Um, and as you mentioned today, I'm working as an independent uh, and principal of those who wander um, and uh, kind of enjoying, enjoying the uh, uh, kind of the freedom of, of you know, having a, a bit of a shop of my own and doing some, uh, some work that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And Chris, over to you. Okay, cool. Thank, and thanks, Michelle, for having uh, me, for having us. And uh, we were saying before the, before the recording started how fun it was for the three of us to chat again because we also work together. Yeah, um, as Michelle said, my name's uh, Chris Andrews. I uh, lead uh, BBDO here in Canada. Uh, like Ron, also um, born and raised in Toronto, and I had a, a bit of a different path to get into the industry. So when I finished uh, university, I went out to uh, London in the UK, and uh, I worked in the music industry. So advertising was my second uh, my second career, and um, it has taken me to. Uh, all sorts of places. So I spent uh, many, many years um, with Taxi um, in Toronto and then in Europe as well. Um, spent three years out in Amsterdam, uh, working with Ron for for part of that and uh, and with your good self as well, Michelle, for, for part of that when you came over to help with some stuff. And then I spent three years in the U.S., which was, you know, a revelation, really, really exciting to do. And uh, then have been back in Canada for... Um, eight or nine years now, and uh, yeah, like like Ron, have worked with some um, great companies and and great talents and great brands and, and great clients. So uh, thank you for for having um, a couple of non planners on to give our perspective. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I mean, I know the markets. I think that you guys have worked in, if I remember correctly, and you'll you'll uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So. London, you know, across both of you, London, Amsterdam, Ron, I feel like you spent some time in Milan and then in the U.S., New York and Chicago. Is that, is that all, all the markets? Yeah, that's yeah. it. And, I, and I'd, I'd add that um, in when uh, both of us, when based in Europe, were doing, as most agencies or many agencies out there will do, we were doing pan-European work. So up to a total of about 14 
different markets. So that was a really interesting perspective as well, because you would often have to, you know, generate, you know, insights and ideas that would work across Europe. But the way, you know, the Dutch think about something may be very different than the way the Germans do or, you know, they do in Poland or Spain or anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. And um, I, I guess I have another question for you because I guess you guys uh, maybe started your career in Toronto or had spent a number of years in Toronto before you then went to the U.S. and Europe and then came back. I'm curious, did you see any shifts as it relates to strategic planning in that time or even, you know, how creatives work with planners or how uh, account folks work with planners? Any, any big differences there? Um, for, for me, when I went to the to the U.S., I went uh, with with taxi. So I went from taxi Toronto to taxi New York, um, which, which had a little bit of, of that ethos of taxi when we were there, like the mantra, you know, was, uh, was very much, uh, alive and well, and we worked very much in the same way we did in Toronto. So I did, you know, I got to experience New York a little bit more in a kind of Toronto way. Not, that's not to say that the clients were any, um, kind of different, of course. And we had, had very different ways of working, but um, we, we we kind of worked in the same like small teams, working on you know driving uh, uh, every business forward, um, and that was a way that we kind of you know kind of managed in New York as well as uh, as as Toronto. Even though we had some bigger clients with some bigger uh, kind of budgets and needs, we still kind of worked that way. So my my direct experience still had a lot of that flavor, you know, of, of how we worked in Canada. Um, and then just indirectly, of course, I, I had talked to other people and I have some different experiences there, but ultimately that was a direct experience. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was, you know, while moving with the same agency to one market, you know, when I went to the U.S., it was to a different one. Um, but I think what was similar is I was working in highly, highly creative shops and environments. So I didn't actually feel that much of a difference in terms of how, you know, planning as a discipline operated or how it integrated with creative, like on the contrary, actually, I remember thinking this is actually really similar. It's just bigger. You know, there's a lot more scale and the budgets are there, but similar, you know, we worked the most effective and the best work and the work I'm most proud of that we did in the U S we did in small, you know, small core lead teams. Of course, you know, the broader teams would be bigger just because of the scale when you'd get to execution. But we'd have our lead planner on a business. We'd have our creative lead and a business lead. And and that kind of triumvirate would really kind of guide everything. And I found, you know, that the the, the best and, and most effective um, work, but I found um, the most uh, effective work came from from working with planners who had a really strong creative sensibility and in a lot of ways were part of the creative team in the way that the best kind of business and account people are as well. So, you know, we, we used to, um, in those days in Chicago, use you know, the analogy of it's not like a relay race where, hey, the client gives a brief and then the planner, you know, creates a creative brief and then hands it off to the creatives and the account people check in. It was much more like a basketball team just kind of passing back and forth, if that makes sense. And and to build on that, like I think New York, uh, ironically, was where I started to work differently with planning. Um, so I I actually uh, sat in the same office uh, with our head of planning in, in New York. Like it was like we were a team, like a creative team, basically. So um, you know when uh, it was Carolyn Credit and when she was she was working on a brief, I was you know I was kind of helping infuse a bit of kind of creative uh, kind of thinking or validation or just kind of 
kind of riffing with her on that. And when work was being presented to me by the team, she was there and she kind of overheard stuff and allowed kind of, I, you know, I, I opened the door basically to have, to have her be part of those. Cause I, I think, I think that was where, again, was Krista, where some of the best work came from was when there was creative infused in the strategy and there was strategy infused in the creative. Um, and, you know, the, the beginning of the creative process in my mind is that first step, like is that strategic yeah. kind of step into the, into the, um, into the thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And I think, um, you know, a lot of us can kind of, even if we haven't worked in the U S I guess, you know, many of us may have touched it, uh, the market, even from, from Canada, and we can imagine kind of the, the scale being much bigger. Um, but I'm curious your experiences in Europe. I mean, interesting Amsterdam and Milan as well, because obviously not the sort of the epicenter of, of, you know, the founding of planning in, in London. I mean, ha- I'm curious what your experiences were like there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was funny. Amsterdam was, and still is a creative hotbed. You know, there, there's mm-hmm. no doubt. Um, but you had two very distinct kind of shops there. Ones that were more pan, pan-European and even global. Yep. Um, you know, the Widens, the 72 and Sunnies, 180 to a certain extent. And then you'd have the, the pure play, you know, Dutch market agencies. And they were very, very different. Um, because as you can imagine, you know, if you're only creating work for a particular market, it's probably going to have a certain kind of sensibility. But, you know, what, what Ron and I experienced and, and where we were having success um, in the early days with Taxi in Amsterdam is the clients that we were winning and growing with um, were not local Dutch clients. They were pan-European. And so, you know, as, as you know, because you, you did some great work with us, Michelle, with, with Unilever, we were working with them and we'd be working with their global team in London to do pan-European work. And they would say, you know, of all the great shops that there are in London, we actually like to look to places like Amsterdam because they don't have a particular sensibility and they're by, by necessity because they're developing work for so many different markets and there are so many different nationalities and, and creative backgrounds there. Um, they just bring a broader uh, kind of point of view. So that was really interesting, um, I think, for, for, for both of us when we got there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Milan, you know, structured very similarly. I, I was on a, um, an international team there, but there was a local team uh, as well. Uh, and the international team was built of people from com- from everywhere, so it felt very international. Um, you know, my my writing partner was from London. My uh, my creative director, global uh, uh, kind of creative director, was from Brazil. Um, we had a, a writer, another art director, I should say, from Argentina. Another writer from Spain. We had our planner from London. Like there was a lot of different um, sensibilities that all came together to kind of do that work. Yeah. And that's so interesting then when you apply it back to the Canadian market, because um, do you think there's opportunity for us to leverage maybe that strength or that perspective more in terms of thinking about different audiences and different segments? I mean, obviously, you know, the demographic of Canada is changing hourly with 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 immigration. Um, and there's obviously a lot more uh, sensitivity towards DE&I um, these days. Are, are there learnings from working, for example, in a pan-European market that you think could be applied here in Canada, or, or, or are we on a, on a pretty good track, do you think? Yeah, I, I think we're on a pretty good track. I mean, I tend to be, you know, kind of, kind of reductionist about these things, and I, I think the best, you know, the best planning is really about, understand, as we all know, is about understanding audiences 
um, at a macro, but at a micro level as well, and really doing good segmentation. And and you make a really good point about Canada, like our immigration targets, we're, we're adding half a million immigrants a year. Um, so we are rapidly, rapidly growing. And I was reading the other day that this, uh, our immigration plan has Canada adding four times the amount of new immigrants as the U.S. per capita. So there's very, very clear um, aggressive immigration targets. Um, but what's interesting, and I think what makes Canada unique, is that half of our new permanent residents come in through um, economic immigration. So as you know, we have a point system and we have what are called highly skilled migrants. And I think in the U.S. it's only like 15 or 20 percent. So we've got com- people coming over here um, as economic migrants in, in many ways and not just, you know, a majority coming in through family reunification, which is what happens in many countries. And so you have people with immediate spending power um, coming in. And I think in the last census, stats can reported something like 450 different, you know, cultural origins in the Canadian population. So I think we're, 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 we've always been pretty good at looking at that. And now, um, with, with, you know, DEI being so profoundly important, I mean, it always was, but it's only really, you know, been come, come to the forefront in, in recent years in terms of how people are structuring their businesses, how they're looking at audiences, how they're portraying audiences out to the broader world. I feel like we're on a, a really, really good track because, you know, we've always had um, just such a, a, a wide range of audiences in this country. Yeah. And, and, and to add to that, like, you know, I remember starting in this business and, you know, thinking how difficult it was. And, you know, when you first start, you always kind of see things as challenges and then as opportunities. Um, but, you know, thinking of, you know, Canada always being a multi-language audience, um, like we always had English and French, you know, the Quebec market was a very strong market. Uh, and, a, and a very defined um, kind of personality in, in the country, um, and you know work that you know of scale that tended to do well. You know really looked at both of the English speaking and French speaking audiences, um, you know independently, but also you know let's find the similarities, but also like celebrate the differences. Um, and I think that openness, that inclusiveness from you know fr- from then perhaps perhaps opened up a little bit more of um, of that opportunity when it comes to diversity and how we look at. Um, how we look at our markets today and, and look at our audiences, audiences today, um, you know, and, and that leads to some really innovative thinking and some different thinking because we're, we're looking at it more as a, an opportunity versus a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it, you know how much I, I don't like agreeing with Ron, but I have to, I have to in this case, and it, it's actually a really, a really good point. Um, because if you think about, you know, work that we would do in Europe that was pan-European, the difference between, you know, people in Canada recognizing and being very conscious and therefore professionals also being very conscious of, you know, differences between Quebec as a distinct society and, and, and English Canada. You don't have that same dynamic. You do internally within certain European countries. But when you're developing work, not for, quote unquote, English Canada and, and Quebec, but you're developing work for Belgium and Italy and France, it's a little bit different because it's, it's actually much more separated. Whereas in Canada, we all know that the best work starts, you know, when, when everyone has a seat at the table at the beginning, as opposed to adapting things for a certain market downstream. At its very blunt uh, end, sometimes you can get, or oftentimes you can get a brief that's like uh, French Canada or Quebec, and then the rest of Canada. Those are the two markets. And obviously there's a ton of variants within rest of Canada. Totally. 
Um, and, and so how do we uh, account for that, um, especially in a market where sometimes, you know, it's an opportunity as well, obviously, but the, the budgets can be uh, a bit smaller. Maybe there isn't as much opportunity to do primary research. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and again, this is just my uh, my opinion on it is I, I feel like that's, again, one of the um, skills or superpowers perhaps, you know, behind what Canada can do strategically. Um, and that's looking at all the different markets, you know, looking for opportunities where you can speak to everyone as, as a whole, but also trying to be really smart and clever and crafty in how we target those audiences differently and make sure that we're being very community driven in some cases or very national, you know, in, in others. Um, and I, I think there's some been really smart little tactics, you know, that we come up with, um, I say we as a whole, in, in order to kind of address those differences. Because um, I, I do think that there's, you know, there's an increasing number of, of brands, uh, or at least of consumers, I should say, Canadians that, that want to be associated uh, kind of with brands that see themselves or, you know, you know kind of within, uh, or, or at least kind of have shared values with. Um, and I, I feel like that's something that is a hard thing to do, but also, again, creates these really interesting opportunities and smart strategies and ways to tell stories and different types of stories we can tell um, to connect with Canadians um, of all different cultures and backgrounds um, and ethnicities. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also interesting, you know, we always talk about ensuring that there's synergy and, or, you know, you, Chris, you were talking about being a bit reductionist, but I agree, like in terms of being like, what's that human insight, no matter who you are and where you come from and what language you speak. Um, but there's obviously also this common thread. I mean, we lean into it sometimes, but maybe not as much as we could, but but kind of like brand Canada or, or, or the Canadian values in terms of e even all of those immigrants have obviously chosen Canada as a home and as a country. So there's, there's something that ties us together versus when you're thinking about pan-European audiences, you know, obviously uh, Germany versus, uh, you know, um, Belgium versus France, are, they're all so different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's a really interesting one because this notion, and I think, and I don't know if, you know, the, the advent of the digital age has, has made this more prevalent or it's just made us more aware of it. But I always laugh a little bit when, you know, when we talk about, you know, Canadian values or American values or because it is so, so different as we all know. And there are some macro things. I mean, I think if we, you know, you were to ask anyone, you know, how, how would you say that Canada is unique compared to the U.S.? You'd probably say something like, you know, we're broadly more about society than the individual, right? Which would d distinguish us from the U.S., but maybe not as much from from some European countries. But at the same time, I'm sure that that the way many people in downtown Toronto think about, you know, community and society versus the individual, think about it very, very differently than people in Fort McMurray, Alberta, mm -hmm. right? So that's so so, and I think and I think this is you know, something that's a really interesting thread in politics around the world is the things that are uniting people. So to your point, Michelle, about like, what's that, that greater thing and those values seem to be not coming to the fore as much, as much as what is different. And that's why there's so much, uh, so much polarization. So yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, you know, I, I don't have an answer to where it's going, but I, I, for one, feel like more and more not confused, but less sure every day about what it quote unquote means to be Canadian, right? Because I, I I don't think there's a like a, a single homogenous definition anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, 
Any anything else that you noticed? I mean, having spent some time overseas, um, down south, and then coming back upon coming back to Canada again, um, in terms of planning. I mean, the craft itself obviously is is pretty much the same. Um, but anything else in terms of um, working relationships between creatives or, or clients um, or account folks? I mean, um, you know, we talked a bit about budget, so I imagine even just the size of the the strategy department or uh, given our closeness to the U.S., perhaps a bit more adaptation work here. I mean, and anything else that struck you? Um, I guess the one thing that I feel, and this is maybe again just from my path through the industry over the years and the kinds of companies I worked for, um, I feel like there was there was a bit of a thread that I that always came out, and I felt like it was on almost every brief when we um, kind of this came up. But it was the idea of like uh, kind of outsmarting versus outspending, and and the outsmarting part I feel like uh, isn't just like isn't just about the you know the inside. It's not just about the creative. It's not just about you know where we spend our money in media. It's it's it was really just a it almost felt like this all-encompassing approach to kind of to, to strategy and at how we get ahead, like that competitive or that kind of um, that unfair, like I always kind of use this term where I think like a good strategy gives you an unfair advantage. Um, and I feel like that unfair advantage is the outsmarting part. It's where you, you take, you know, that kind of obstacle, whether it be a regulation, whether it be a budget, whether it be an audience segmentation, that seems like it's, you know, quite, quite broad um, and you find an opportunity to, to, you know, to make that work. Um, and that adaptability or, or adeptness or that kind of re- resourcefulness seems to be something that I associate to um, Canadian strategy. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And I, I, would, uh, I, I would build on that as well, is that that resourcefulness, you know, because we don't have the scale um, within planning, but within other disciplines as well. But I think, I think it's, it's, it's very clear in planning. Um, we need to be generalists much more you know, as opposed to being really specialized. So I remember, you know, on my team in the U.S. on any given big assignment, you know, that we'd have our, here's our lead planner or brand strategist, as we would say, and then here's our comms planner. And for one, we may have, you know, here's our digital strategist. And over here at Leo, we called them participation strategists. So that was, you know, it does what it says on the tin. How are we getting people to engage with the work? And that was... Like that was really, really nice because you have highly specialized points of view coming in. Um, that's a luxury that we don't have in Canada. And similar to what Ron was saying, I think like those things that could be seen as a hindrance or a challenge for us actually are strengths. So, you know, I think the best planners in, in Canada um, have a bit of a good sense of everything and maybe are not going to be, you know, the absolute expert in every kind of area of the discipline. But I think when you've got a good sense of, you know, from a hundred thousand foot level, how do we build a brand? How do we position a brand to, how do we start to build out comms plans? Um, and a huge shout out to Michelle who built one of the best comms plans. I think we'd have to leave <laughs> thing. I'm sure Ron. 10 years ago now. Then. <laughs> yeah. So it can only be better now. So, but to be able to do that, you know, you, you can't, you can't always have individual people doing it. And I think when you have people who are, are, are good generalists like that, it just makes them and therefore us more broadly as agencies, better marketers and better able to have conversations with our clients and lead conversations with clients. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess knowing how to knit those things together, um, is, is always important. Whereas if, I mean, it's great if you can have the specialized knowledge, but, um, being able to know what to leverage and when, and, and how to pull it together. Yeah. And even, awesome. even the one more thing I'll add to that too, is just the, um, and this is, this is probably an overgeneralization perhaps, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make it as my own point of view is I think there's, there's a, um, a concerted effort for efficacy when it comes to the work we're doing, just based on the limits of budget we have sometimes, you know, you get like one shot to kind of make an impression, you know, for some brands because they're spending a lot of money to kind of, you know, get out into market. So you really do, you know, you really do craft a way to make sure that, you know, you can't guarantee it and there's no way to predict it, of course, but you try to get the most uh, kind of for the dollar or the most for the time you're in market. Um, um, so it's, there is something about um, that, that crafting of efficacy, or at least that consideration being very high on the list, which I know is on everyone's list. Um, but in, in Canada, it feels like the, you know, the the opportunities are are few sometimes, and you really want to make the most of them. Yeah, a hundred percent. And even like we'll even see situations where, in order to justify budget, you know, you do a small scale test, and it's got to show, you know, that the the volume or the dollar value may not be huge in terms of the return, but if you're seeing the effectiveness, then that's what unlocks other budgets. So not quite a zero-based budgeting model, but certainly, you know, there's there's within organizations, some some marketers are being told, well, prove it before you get increased budgets. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I heard someone else say that uh, on their reflection, I mean, you know, working in some other markets like London and New York, uh, given the size of the budgets that we have here, there doesn't seem to be as much opportunity to do primary research, as an example, or creative testing. And so in some instances, it can be a lot more based on your, your gut or your instinct as to what you think uh, can work, um, which can be both freeing, but, you know, sometimes from a client perspective, they want to see that, that validation. Um, but, but it's interesting, you know, it kind of connects with what you're saying, um, both of you, in terms of that, that efficacy, having that one shot, you, you got to make sure all your, your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. And you may or may not have access to, you know, specific data that's going to prove it. I agree totally. And you, you may not have access to all of that data, um, but there has to be, and maybe again, we turn that into a positive. There's got to be some level of gut and intuition to what we do, right? And we can do all the testing in the world and have all the strategy in the world. Something may still fall flat or something may do really, really well creatively in ways, in ways that you didn't in ways that you didn't expect it to. So um, I think, you know, and when you look at the, the best work and most successful work around the world, you feel that, yeah, there's a lot of rigor and a lot of research going into it. Um, but there's some good instinct on behalf of marketers who are saying, you know, what, I, I just feel something here. You know, we often present work. Um, I, I'm sure all agencies do this and, and say to our clients, hey, hey, you've got to uh, not think about this as, you know, a CMO or a brand manager or whatever, just think about it as a consumer, you know, and what's your immediate reaction to it. So um, I, I hope that, that that emphasis on, on you know, um, subjectivity to a certain extent never goes away because I think that's where the magic comes from. Last question, because it, again, it did come up uh, at the event and I wanted your reflections. Um, some folks said that sometimes it feels as though, and I guess we have to say this, Canadians are too nice. We don't fight for the work. Um, we're trying too hard to just all agree with each other and, and not cause conflict. 
Um, but what was interesting about that is that someone else uh, kind of uh, shifted that over to say, well, maybe that's actually about empathy. And maybe empathy is a strength that we can leverage as uh, in terms of a style of um, strategic planning. So, you know, you've you've worked with uh, Italians. You've maybe worked with some folks have worked with Eastern Europeans. Um, some people have come from come from Brazil, you know, markets where maybe stereotypically there's a bit more passion um, maybe in personality, I'm curious as your, your, your thoughts there. Um, it's a good question. Like I, I'm going to say yes to both of those just because I feel like both are right. Like, I think there's, there is a niceness. There's a, you know, there's definitely an, a, an, a, um, an agreeable almost trait at some times, you know, within this industry. And I don't think that's, you know, that's meant to be, um, uh, a notch or, or something or a knock against the you know people in the industry, but I think everyone does want to get along and work together, and there's this niceness that kind of comes through with that. So you know you, you've been very collaborative, I'd say, in the last you know decade where we get everybody together and everybody has a voice, uh, but in the end, someone has to make a decision. So I, I think the the niceness part perhaps is you know part of uh, you know part of our DNA that uh, I think is is good, but you know could hold us back a little bit from having confidence to kind of um, kind of push something a little harder, um, and the empathy, you know, element is is absolutely true. I, I, th I think you know that speaks to a lot of the things we talked about already. You know, with understanding diversity in different languages and uh, different markets, and the way that we do. Uh, I, I feel like Canada does have a very open uh, openness, you know, to to thinking differently and different points of view. Um, so the empathy is there for sure, uh, but the the niceness element, uh, you know, I I think that's maybe the one thing. To, to kind of poke at a little bit and how do we turn that niceness into, you know, Hey, we're going to have this debate, um, you know, because we, we think it's the right thing to do. And, and that should be the nice, the effort of being nice, not the, um, uh, you know, kind of not wanting to get in, in the conflict or have an argument about something. Cause I think great work needs to have some tension between uh, kind of between the borders. And until you get to the right answer, uh, sometimes that comes with it with a bit of strife. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think, the the niceness thing, like if you look at how Canada Canada and Canadian agencies are performing on the global stage right now, we are we are punching above our weight in terms of our size, not of, not of our talent, because we've we've always known that there's great talent here, and I don't think you know with the amount of lions that got picked up by Canadian agencies this year, that could have that amount of great work and globally recognized work could have happened without some tension and conflict and discussions. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I agree with Ron, which is really annoying me because I've done it like four times on this call, but I think it's, it's the, how we behave with each other and with our clients in terms of the delivery of what we're saying, but not the content of what we're saying. So like Ron and I, and our, our, our planning partners over the years have had some, let's say very spirited conversations and some almighty disagreements on what's right, but never, never personal because, you know, if there's respect at the beginning of a process and there's mutual respect and everyone knows that you're only fighting for something because you care about putting the best work possible out into the world. Um, and I think, I think the agencies that in Canada that are, are kind of overcoming that, that niceness that Canadians have are probably consciously looking at it and you know whether they're saying to their people or individually to teams like healthy debate is good so please don't everyone be polite you're not going to offend us if you think this is right 
that's or they, you think this isn't right. That's why you're here. So it's a double-edged sword. But um, you know, I, I was in certainly a lot of meetings in the U.S. with people who are not always the most pleasant in their delivery, and it didn't necessarily get us to better work. You know, it just got us to ten more tense teams. You know. That's interesting as well, because I think so, so much of um, even selling stuff in, in internally is about the relationships probably that you have with each other and not just in the office. Exactly. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think that speaks to the teams you work with, you know, that having that, creating that environment where there's, there's comfort in debate yeah. um, and to have those discussions and to speak up when you feel something's wrong. Like I, th- I think there's, there's so many of those values inherent in, in great companies um, and I'm sure a lot of agencies do have that, but that special that special ingredient of having the right people around the table to to get the work forward, um, and and to tell when you know tell someone when they're wrong, I think is it's always something that we shy away from, but it's uh you know it's sometimes a really important step to getting to a better place. Yeah. Great. Well, I mean, the original question was kind of a two-parter in terms of what you see as being different um, and, and what you think a Canadian style of strategic planning can offer the industry. I mean, I think people always struggle a bit more with the second half of that question, but it seems as though, you know, you touched on a couple of important things, one being resourcefulness, um, two being effectiveness, um, and maybe with a bit of bit of empathy <laughs> thrown in there. Um, anything else you, you want to add to that? I mean, there's, you guys are so fortunate. There's few Canadians that have worked in as many markets as you guys have. So, <laughs> Yeah, we're obviously, I'm super grateful for the experience I've had. It's been, it's been amazing. Um, I, I don't know if I had to add, um, and this is this is probably an unfair one because I don't think it's true across the board. But there's definitely the um, uh, the impression I'd say uh, first and foremost that there's a bit of a risk adverse um, kind of attitude in Canada. Uh, and I I do think we've done some you know we've done some incredible creative work over the years. And, and to Chris's point, you know we've seen the um, kind of the international praise for it as well as locally. Um, lots of lots of amazing stuff being done. Um, but there's definitely, um, you know, there's, there's a good and bad to everything. And I think that, you know, we, we've seen some great, great brands who are very much staying true and, and having these long-term brand successes and maintaining who they are um, as an identity and, and um, last, long-lasting brands and market. Uh, and then we've seen these kind of, you know, these, these um, kind of other brands that are just a little bit more uh, kind of punchy and come out with, with a bit more um, kind of fire in their belly, I guess. But um, I, I do think that there's... You know, there's an opportunity, I, I think, for Canada to offer even more. And I, and I don't know how we get there yet because there's definitely lots of variables and lots of challenges. But based on what we've seen over the years from, from uh, Canadian agencies and brands um, and the talent pool, the deep talent pools that we have here, there's, there's so much more I think we could be doing um, from Canada. And based on even what we've talked about today with you know, how we've got that unique, uh, perhaps you know, unique strategic entry point into the creative process, um, you know, for, for me, a lot of it has to come down to just, you know, maybe taking a, a, a few more, uh, a few more risks or trying things, um, and then really applying that creativity and, st- and that strategy approach kind of hand in hand throughout the process so that they're in lockstep. Um, everything's moving so much faster. It almost feels like we need to be a little bit more, um, connected from the start of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even having two weeks with creative is a luxury feels like. When I understood how it worked, that's when I mentioned in New York, it was a bit of a different working process where I, I wanted to be part of that process. Like I was really curious and interested about the planning process. Um, and at that point, it kind of unlocked for me a little bit the, the, the creative moment like that happens there. There's, so much, there's such an intimate relationship with a brand or with a, a product or about a consumer 
And all of that almost felt like it was like locked away from, from a creative's hands. Um, when I feel like those are just as important ingredients, uh, you know, for a creative as they are for a strategist. So I loved that intimacy of understanding the brand and the competitors and all that kind of stuff. And maybe that's just me hungry for that information. But um, that was that was the unlock for me was when I realized, oh my gosh, there's so much creative fodder in here and so much um, opportunity to kind of learn um, and then develop and then understand and then create from this. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, there's there's never any one single entry point or answer to, right? It's Correct. It's got to be what interests you as a creative as well. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Chris, any thoughts there? Anything to add? Yeah. I mean, I think just the, the one thing I'd add is, I mean, to, to the point about, you know, not necessarily understanding the role of planning earlier on, like, like for me, and this is where I think, you know, the best of, of the planning community in Canada is so good at this. Um, and as good as in many, you know, the, all the markets that I've worked in is at its best, as we all know, planning takes the very complex and distills it and makes it very simple and, and actionable. And I think just based on the audiences that we have here, the dynamics that we have here, all the different variables that are unique to this country, um, when we can do that, we can get to something that's really, really compelling and powerful. And, you know, maybe that, that notion of, that you were talking about of, of the niceness and the empathy and wanting to collaborate um, to me and, and, and Ron touched on this and I, I, just, I don't think it can be emphasized enough. And I would, I would assume that it's a given um, certainly these days, but, but involvement of creative, like creative involvement in that process is absolutely critical, right? Because you can distill down to a very, very interesting insight and it's very true and there's data to back it up. But if it doesn't feel creatively compelling, like I, I would never walk into a room with work, you know, based off uh, off a brief that the the creative director hadn't wholeheartedly endorsed. So I think um, I think the way we work together maybe it can be a unique strength for us there. And to you know my earlier point about you know the the best planners being part of the creative team, I think that that niceness in the way we work together we can harness that in a positive way. So instead of it you know, making the work bland because everyone's too polite, maybe it just brings us closer and just recognizes what each discipline can contribute to the other to make it better. Well, that's kind of interesting because I hadn't really thought about that. You know, the fact that we do have these smaller teams, you have maybe one strategist versus 20, it obviously makes the collaboration that much easier. Yeah. And, I, and I think it enables, you know, for example, creative and strategy to work more in lockstep um, or or for us to, you know, have a better insight into the, the client because the account is uh, collaborating more with us. I think that, that's kind of interesting, actually. Yeah. yeah. And it, it actually, everybody gets to own a part of that process then. Yeah. Um, because they don't feel like they're overwhelmed by a larger team. And, you know, they, in some cases you feel like you're just contributing and then you're walking away. And, and then with the smaller teams, you definitely have that dedicated, um, you know, uh, kind of mindset where like, we've got to solve this together and it, and it kind yeah. of keeps you together of a tighter unit. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah. That that's it. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I think we got some really good insight there. Yeah, that was fun. Thank yeah, you. That was great. Thank you All for right. the invitation, Michelle. This was amazing. Yeah, you're welcome. Looking forward to hopefully we get a chance to work together again soon somewhere interesting. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share this episode, and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts.